Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. I want to talk about something that has spread like crazy around the United States. I first brought it up in 2020, leading up to the Christmas selling season, and it was not as widespread then as it's become now. You know what it is? It's when you get to a register in a store or you're shopping online And at the last second, you're offered an option of not having to pay for what you're buying. I mean, is this a great country or what? That item you've got there, that that new piece of electronics or that uh, new purse or that shirt or blouse or that dress or whatever, you don't have to pay for it. You can just walk out with it right now. And you're like, what's the catch? Well, we'll allow you to pay for it, typically over four easy payments, and no interest. It's called Buy Now, Pay Later. It was popularized in Australia and now big time in the United States. And I see it and experience it Everywhere I go now with buy now, pay later. Many different competitors doing it. Square bought the biggest one recently called Afterpay. They paid roughly $30 billion to buy it. How could there be so much money in letting people walk out of stores or shop online without having to pay any money when you get the goods? Because there's no interest charged. If you do everything exactly right, there's no penalty fees if you do everything right. But humans being as we are, we don't always do everything as we intend. And this is a tool that's fine as long as you're the kind of person who can afford what you're getting, number one. And number two, You do everything exactly as you are supposed to. I was with a friend buying a car recently who was one of the individuals who's fortunate enough in this world to be able to write a check for the full price of a car. Good for him. I was with him with the finance manager at the dealership, and the guy was saying, you know, you'll get an extra $1,500 from the manufacturer if you finance this and leave it as a finance for so much time Make the payments as you're supposed to, and then pay it in full. And he said, don't you want to do that? And my friend said, no, I just want to pay you the money because then I don't have to worry about it. Because a lot of people faced with another new monthly payment or whatever, it's another added complexity in their life. 
and then calculating in the interest he would have paid and all that, the savings weren't nearly as great as they appeared to be because you had to leave it open for a period of time before you could pay it off. You know, a lot of financial engineering now is something that adds complexity. But my real problem with buy now, pay later, which is so, so in right now across America, is that it creates real personal financial danger for you. Because we already know that when you pay for something with a credit card, even a debit card, you feel it less than if you pay with cash. But you go a step further where you don't even have to pay for something. You just leave and it's yours. But you've created an obligation. What happens is that human nature being human nature We will buy more stuff and spend more money because remember, you have to pay for it in four easy payments. You have to pay for it. It's just it feels like you're getting it for free because you walked out without paying for it. So know this is a thing. I mean, who knew that letting people walk out of a store would be worth $30 billion to one company that came up with the idea? $30 billion. I mean, that's serious money. I wonder if they sold, but they only get paid later in four easy payments. Anyway, <laughs> I want you to be careful because we're also in a cycle where the banks are throwing credit out like candy right now. And you got to be careful that you don't take on more debt in your life than makes sense for your life. You know, I'm so, I'm somebody who despises debt. But I'm not opposed to people borrowing money in all circumstances. I'm not like that. But I do really worry about lifestyle debt, where you take on debt because somebody said, yeah, you can take out that seven-year vehicle loan. Yeah, you can get this new credit card with the $15,000 credit limit. The problem is that limit becomes permission to spend. Be careful out there with your spending, because the bills come due. This question is from David in Virginia. My daughter is 20 and is in college at Virginia Tech. Go Hokies. I make too much to claim her college expenses. In the future, can I not list her as a dependent? Will that allow her to write off her college expenses? Currently, I am paying tuition and rent. She lives at our home during the summer. Otherwise, she has an apartment in her name. So, David, the... um the dependent claiming a child is a dependent while they're in school is something that's very common because you're providing more than 50% of her support. The value of that varies based on your income. Um, the apartment in her name, I don't know if you're paying for that or she's paying for it. He said he is. He's paying for the, you're paying for the apartment too. So she is properly your dependent. As far as the tax advantage for you though it's usually not going to be that great there's nothing specifically that allows her to write off her college expenses anyway this is from hannah in kentucky i was wondering about clark's opinion on donor advised funds i have about fifteen thousand dollars with schwab charitable that i haven't used but i'm wondering if that's the best way to grow money that i plan to use for charitable giving 
While I'm not a major donor, I am a retired state employee with a bit of an inheritance and no children, so I typically give at least $10,000 a year spread across a bunch of charities I've researched through Charity Navigator. So, Hannah, I love your charitable spirit, your giving spirit, and using Schwab Charitable or any of the other donor-advised funds is a very efficient way for charitable giving. If you're not familiar with donor-advised funds, they're very controversial in a lot of quarters because what they allow people to do is donate to a fund, and some of the biggest ones are with brokerages like Schwab, and then you take the tax deduction for the money you donated in that year, and then that's sitting there like mad money, and you nominate each year who you want to give that money to. You don't get a second tax deduction, but you get your deduction up front for donating to the donor advised fund. And then you've got that money there to donate to whoever. The funds are run at extremely low cost, much lower than you could run, let's say, uh, any kind of family foundation or anything like that. Very versatile. You don't have to worry about a zillion IRS filings or anything like that. Um, the best use of a donor-advised fund at a stock brokerage is to donate appreciated shares, meaning if you donate uh, mutual fund shares, stocks, whatever, to the fund, you get a double tax benefit. You don't pay capital gains tax on the gain in the shares, and you get a full tax deduction based on the then-current value of that holding. So it's one of the best tax deals out there for people that are charitably minded. And this is from Jacqueline in Maryland. You often say that debit cards are fake and do not offer legal protections. I'm not sure which banks you're referencing, but the three that I do business with offer the same protections with debit cards as they do with credit cards. I think you need to rephrase your statement. Jacqueline, I apologize, but I'll tell you the banks aren't telling you the truth. So with a credit card, you have rights to dispute failure to deliver goods or services. You have chargeback rights with a credit card. With a debit card, you have no such thing. As far as when a card is lost or stolen, or just the number is, your rights with a debit card are vastly inferior to the rights you have with a credit card. It's spelled out very clearly in the law. If there is a bank that is going beyond the requirements of the law and providing identical protections on debit cards as the law requires on credit cards, I have not seen that anywhere. And I would be very surprised if you found that to be true with either of the two financial institutions that you have, or three, I'm sorry, three financial institutions that you said offer the same protections because the employees may think they do, but the law is totally different for the two products. And this is from Kristen in New Mexico. We recently took a trip and the airline offered a credit card with 60,000 miles upon sign-up and two free trips anywhere in the United States, the Caribbean, and Canada with a $99 annual fee after the first year. This all sounds too good be to be true, is it? So this particular credit card is one that we've evaluated 
and find that it has poor value for you as someone who loves to travel. And I'll tell you, the card right now, we just did a write-up on it at Clark.com, is one of the Chase cards is offering really, really great bonuses right now, superior to what you're talking about. The Chase Sapphire Preferred has a $95 annual fee, $4 cheaper than the one you were looking at that is issued by, I think the one you were looking at is issued by Citibank. Um, so not really any difference on that. But the sign-up bonus is actually more valuable than what they were stating to you. But my understanding of the actual sign-up bonus is that the miles they were saying could be the equivalent of two free trips anywhere in the geographic area, they said, not in addition to. But over time, the card you're looking at is not a real value for you unless you fly that particular airline roughly 20 to 25 times a year. And I got something for you. If you are an Amazon user, there's some things going on you got to know about to protect your wallet, potentially your safety too. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. There was an absolutely shocking investigative report by the Wall Street Journal recently about what's been going on when Amazon customers leave a negative review for a product. I mean, absolutely stunning that Amazon sellers, remember most merchandise being sold on Amazon is being sold by third-party sellers, most of whom are really hardworking decent business people just trying to earn a living honestly selling goods to people. But the seller rating has become so all-important as people look at a product and see how many stars it has without digging deeper that sellers are doing everything they can to manipulate the ratings to the point that they break the Amazon rules, and start harassing you at your email address, first being really nice, offering money, maybe even when you turn them down, raising the money they'll offer you to pull down a negative review or to write a positive review. Most often, they start offering serious money, according to the Wall Street Journal investigation, when you've written a negative review. And then, if you still won't pull down the negative review, 
they may start uh, being more and more aggressive in emails they send to you. Amazon's rules supposedly prevent sellers from doing this. And unfortunately, in the Wall Street Journal investigation, over and over again, Amazon was found to ignore complaints by its customers when they would complain to Amazon about being harassed by sellers. Uh, This is an area Amazon definitely needs to work on what their relationship is and responsibility is for hosting all these third-party sellers. The other aspect involves the sale of unsafe goods on Amazon, where Amazon has alleged in one court case after another, not our problem, we're not responsible, somebody dies, somebody gets hurt, tough. They weren't buying from us. They were buying from who knows who, which Amazon does a very poor job showing on their website. So Amazon now, under extreme pressure, now says that they are going to pay damages through a process when somebody has been harmed by goods being sold, dangerous goods being sold by one of these third-party sellers, which, again, is most of the goods being sold on Amazon. So Amazon is doing this under this extreme pressure, but it's capped at $1,000. If somebody's really hurt, $1,000 isn't going to get it done. The reality is Amazon is different than something you go buy at a traditional physical store because Amazon, because they hide for the most part and do only the absolute minimum legally to disclose that something is being sold by a third party, Amazon, in my opinion, has taken on additional responsibility that they have just not done what they should have done with these problems with unsafe goods. Amazon was sued just last month by the feds to try to force it to do recalls on a zillion unsafe items, well, a zillion, on hundreds of unsafe items, things that were causing serious injury or death. Hair dryers that caused electric shock, faulty carbon monoxide detectors, children's clothing that didn't meet child safety flammability standards. And we're talking about serious, serious stuff going on at Amazon. And Amazon has had one focus and one focus only, and that's growth. It's time for Amazon with Bezos having moved out of day-to-day operation. It's time for Amazon to start doing right by its customers. And it is a responsibility that comes with growth. I remember when Walmart, in its big growth phase, also was having trouble meeting simple standards that should come with the responsibility of their size. And Walmart suffered severe reputational harm, but has done a great job over the years since improving how they treat their workers and how they treat their customers. And it's time for Amazon to do so before it suffers significant reputational harm and potential harm to its customers with health and safety 
by not properly policing the items sold on its website. Again, I want to emphasize just because somebody's a third-party seller on Amazon doesn't mean they're a bad entity. Far from it. Most third-party sellers are doing the right thing by their customers, doing what they should do to serve people, doing a good earnest effort to sell good products that are safe at a decent marketplace price. The problem are these rogue sellers that are selling dangerous, unsafe goods and Amazon saying, what, what? Just looking the other way. That's not okay. All right, let's get to some questions. Danny in New Jersey says, I've read the new guide on state 529 plans, but what about 529s offered by Schwab, Vanguard, USAA, Fidelity, etc.? Do they get a rating? I live in New Jersey, which <laughs> stinks in more way, more than one way. So I was looking into Schwab. Okay, so Danny. Or New Jersey. Danny. Okay, the Garden State. I know there are parts of New Jersey that are not so attractive, but what most people don't see is how beautiful much of New Jersey is. So don't pick on your state so much. All right, so let me explain the thing about the 529s offered by, you mentioned four big entities, Schwab, Vanguard, USAA, Fidelity. The 529 plans are behind the scenes. Many of them are operated by big players like these. What I've done with the new revised 529 guide that we have just extensively worked on and Christopher and I from Clark.com put together the new guide is we look by state and then if you click on the link, you'll see which provider does that plan. So going direct to, in the case of Schwab or Fidelity, or any other entity I don't recommend. Go to the links I've got, and I'll take you right to the lowest cost plan available in your state. So I'd rather you go by the state guide and click on a hyperlink than say, oh, I'm just going to go buy this plan from Schwab or whoever, because I want to make sure you're getting the lowest possible cost on the plan. I see you've got another I New know. Jersey person. And, Chris, uh, Chris is in New Jersey. Chris didn't diss New Jersey at all. In the he question. is leaving, though. I was wondering if you could give some money tips for incoming college students as I'm heading to NYU in less than three weeks. You'll be broke. <laughs> Through part-time work, savings, and my own e-commerce business, Ooh, I've been able job. to make over $30,000, but I'm not sure what to do with it. I have about 25000 in the bank, 4000 in a managed portfolio, and 1000 in a Roth IRA. Should I move more money into investments, and are there any short-term decisions I should make? So short-term money, money of this, and congratulations to you. You've got this money available to you. Money you're going to need for your years at NYU, which is a pretty pricey school, Krista. I think he outran what you're facing with your daughter at Boston College. Hmm. Uh, Money you're going to need for school you really can't put into an investment portfolio. It does need to be just in simple savings. And the reason is a four-year college cycle is too short 
to put money at risk in investments because the marketplace turns and it turns sharp and hard and that's too few months and even years for you to look at investing if this 30 grand is for your college then you just do Dullesville. On the other hand, if this is money you don't need for your years of schooling at NYU, I want you to make sure you're doing more than 1000 in the Roth. Whatever you've made in 21, I want you to make sure if you've made six grand or more in your e-commerce business, I want you to put a full six grand into the Roth for this year. If you continue to earn money at your e-commerce business while you're at NYU, I want you to keep funding that Roth with six grand each year. Again, unless you need the money for NYU, the real emphasis and goal for you at your age is to be throwing as much money as you can into a tax-free Roth while you can because money put away in your teenage years and your 20s works so hard for you over the decades. That's my biggest goal for you. And Martha in Georgia says, I'm a new listener and love the podcast. I'm in receipt of a life insurance payout from my ex-husband and want to open an online savings account for my 21-year-old son to access after college graduation. My question is, should I open it in his name or my name? So until your son graduates from college, I want that money in your name. Uh, You can gift him that money when he's done with school. But any money that is in a child's name while they're in college affects their eligibility for college financial aid. So go ahead and put it in your name. You're allowed to gift easily without any even thinking about it, $15,000 each year to someone else. I don't know how large an amount of money this is, but you could give it out over time and that would be a better idea than complicating things by having money in his name while he's still enrolled in school. And I want to thank you for joining us. Please visit Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com for more money-saving advice you can trust.